1045, October the 18th, 2023, Amanda and Clay started their podcast about John Carpenter's The Fog, and then they hit a rock and sank into the ocean. How's everybody yep. doing? This is the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the yeah. horror movie podcast about uh, films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 best horror movies of all time list. My name is Clay. With me, as always, is Amanda. Amanda, how you doing? I'm doing fine. A vast ye matey. I just want to apologize to everyone in advance that I am no Stevie Wayne. <laughs> well, much like Stevie <laughs> Wayne, most people don't know what you look like. So Hey, points for me. <laughs> <laughs> was that insulting? That wasn't meant to be insulting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I was being insulting to myself. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we are, um, w- this is our, our wild card episode. And we are doing, yes. this is Amanda's pick. We are doing yes, it is. John Carpenter's The Fog from 1980. This is not in our list. Mm-hmm. It has a 75% Rotten Tomatoes score with a 65% audience score. Hmm. Amanda. Yes, Clay. What made you pick this movie as your wild card? Because I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I have a real soft spot for this movie. I feel like the first couple times I saw it, it didn't really do much for me. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it has just like endeared itself to me more and more isn't that the weirdest thing yeah like what why what is it about movies where i because i feel the same way about a lot of movies where it's like i didn't really like that and then now it's like that's one of the five movies i watch all the time yes i i i don't know what it is i think it can differ between different different movies and, and how they hit you and when yeah but i think there's something to be said for having give, giving giving movies that second and third chance maybe even, yeah you know i think i think there's something about you know as much as i try to leave my expectations at the door mm-hmm. i think it's very difficult to go into movies uh, as a blank slate yeah and so if you have something you are even subconsciously expecting yep that isn't met mm-hmm you might react negatively. And then when you come back around to it later and you're kind of a little bit more, you know what the movie is. Yeah. You're a little bit more open to what kind of what it's kind of doing. I think that's a great point. I think you might have just hit on part of why this has grown on me over time. Because mm-hmm. by this point, anyone who's listened to more than two episodes of this podcast probably knows that I love John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm a big fan of The Thing. Mm-hmm. Those were the first two John Carpenter movies I ever saw. Yeah. And then I think I saw this one. And so coming from those two that are just so, I don't know, they they just have such an outsized place in like horror movie canon and fandom and all of this. And then coming to The Fog, I think I had that letdown moment Mm. of like, where's the big pop? Like, where's the 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 head turning into a spider monster right. or where's you know michael myers like not exactly you know you know what i'm saying yeah. like where where's that kind of feeling and so i think it left me not as into this movie and then over time i i think i've begun to appreciate it more for what it is which is a ghost story yes yeah i think with with carpenter especially if you're if you're looking at his big movies um there's a certain uh, relentlessness to the pace mm-hmm. uh, at a certain point, which this movie does sure. have a little bit. But like, 
Halloween, once that gets going, is pretty intense. Yeah. You know, uh, Escape from New York, <laughs> guys running around, over the top, mm-hmm. campiness, machine guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. The Thing, big, gross monster movie. And paranoia, like yeah. really intense feelings of paranoia. They Live has, all, you know, all of the above. Yeah. Um, and so if, if that's what you know about Carpenter, mm-hmm. I, I think he is one of the, the, the bigger filmmakers where... Um, it kind of, you really don't know what you're going to get from him until you watch it. Yeah. Because you do get movies like The Fog or mm-hmm. Prince of Darkness or Starman. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Starman. <laughs> Starman not, Starman's not, pretty interesting. We've talked about yeah. it, yeah. Or even Christine. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, it, yeah, he's... He's very interesting in that regard, mm-hmm. but um, you know we can get into a bit of that more later. What was? Do you remember the first time you saw this? Honestly, I don't. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've seen it so many times now, but like, yeah, I don't really remember what that first what that first moment was. Yeah, I feel it's one where I could not tell you. I'm I'm going to assume mm-hmm. it was when I started just going through his movies that would make sense and i think i probably watched this in prince of darkness around the same time because mm. those are two of the lesser ones that i hadn't hadn't seen at that point um but yeah it just kind of much like the titular fog yeah. it just sort of creeps over you yeah yeah it just sort of sneaks up on at, you <laughs> at a certain point you have watched the fog yes. and you didn't even realize you did it um but we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna play the trailer and then we're gonna get into it John Carpenter's The Fog. This is KAB Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here. And let me be the first to wish Antonio Bay a happy birthday. We're 100 years old today. And keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something unknown came out of the fog. Now it has returned. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something unnatural came out of the fog. Now it has returned. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something evil came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Who's there? The fog. Antonio Bay has a curse on it. We're all cursed. There's no water getting here, but something off a cold pin. I think I'll go to Vancouver now. Where's the fog now? It should be right outside my door now. Oh, there's something different about this fog. Dan, stay away from the door! Someone listen to me! Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. Stay away from the fog. 
creator of Halloween, the ultimate experience in terror and suspense. John Carpenter's The Fog, starring Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Houseman, Janet Lee as Kathy Williams, and Hal Holbrook as Father Malone. The Fog. What you can't see won't hurt you. It will kill you. Between midnight and one, it will find you. Okay. The Fog. Directed by John Carpenter, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Starring Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, her mom, Janet Lee, <laughs> Charles Cyphers, Hal Holbrook, Nancy Loomis, Red the Bum from Back to the Future, and World's Sexiest Man, 1980 to 1984, Tom Atkins. Please tell me that's not true. No, well, I mean, it is in the hearts of minds of apparently everyone <laughs> making genre movies. Oh, God. Because he, he's... In this movie, mm-hmm. he's the the guy in the truck who yep. picks up young Jamie Lee Curtis, who instantly jumps into bed with him yep. after sharing a road beer. Um, like he's, you do. He's the lead. Classic in, meet cute. Yes, he's the lead in uh, Halloween Three, playing a doctor who is a complete shithead. Wait, is that him? It is. Sure is. Who's also an alcoholic and not a great father, who also wow. ends up sleeping sleeping with the daughter of the dead guy that he's investigating. My mind was just blown yeah. that this is the same man. Yeah. For whatever reason, what? the, the, the John Carpenter and his friends all think Tom Atkins is super yeah. hot. <laughs> maybe that's what maybe and, that's who's voting him sexiest man yeah. 1980 to 1984 and darcy from the last drive-in i believe she also is, has a big tom atkins crush but fair enough um amanda mm. what happens in the fog i got a nice short one for you again oh great an unearthly there, fog there is a fog there is fog <laughs> An unearthly fog rolls into a small coastal town exactly 100 years after a ship mysteriously sank in its waters. That's, that's, man, really burying the lead there. That's not a particularly interesting (laughs) summary. Look, I'm telling you, I'm going to start writing these myself, these summaries, rather than trawling the internet for them, because they are either extremely over-involved or they are that. A coastal New England town. It's once, Northern California. Sorry, a coastal Northern uh, Northern California town once had twenty to thirty minutes of rain. <laughs> Great, excellent, and didn't have any more for one hundred years. The yes. end. That was my big question this time. Is this the first time they've ever seen fog? <laughs> yeah, these kids don't know what fog is. Yeah. Well, Clay, some things you'll find in this movie, in addition to fog, include yes. immediate magic book. Two movies in a row. Basically, within the first 10 minutes. Magic book. Magic book, giving you a little bit of explanation. I'm here for it. Yes. Every time. Uh, a town full of excellent hair. Yeah. I. This is a tiny <laughs> little coastal <laughs> village that I mean, seems to have 50 to 75 people in it, but they one of them must be just the best barber on the, the West Coast. The best 80s hairstylist to ever live. Yeah. Yes. Adrian Barbeau, fantastic. Yep. Janet Lee, fantastic. Yep. You can tell- Jamie Lee Curtis is from out of town because her hair is not great. Just too, what did you use, a mullity? A little mullity. A little yeah. mullity. Yeah. Um, extremely polite murderous ghosts. Yes, they always knock before they yes, come in. Yes, they're always going to knock on your door and wait until you let them in. 
Characters named after John Carpenter's friends. Yeah, I um, I really respect John Carpenter's Just naming the, a guy Dan O'Bannon. <laughs> yeah, because it's clear that John Carpenter does not give a shit about character names, yeah. and he is a yeah. man after my own heart in that respect. I mean, you you've shocked me by telling me you don't care about character names. I am <laughs> just stunned. But it was it's not only is it Dan O'Bannon, mm. but Tom Atkins' character is named Nick Castle, who's oh. the guy who plays the shape in Halloween. Yep. And Charles Cipher's character, the one who has a crush on Stevie, the mm. weather guy, mm. is named Bennett Tramer, who is a friend of John Carpenter's, who he also used his name as Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer. In Halloween. The one is, isn't there also a uh, Tommy Lee Wallace in this movie? Or Tommy uh, Wallace? Tommy Wallace, yes. Yeah. Red, Red the Drunk plays yeah. Tommy, Tommy Wallace, yeah. <laughs> um, ben Tramer, famously, I think the one character in Halloween no one has ever seen. Because he's not in the original one. They talk about him, but yeah. he's not in it. They even talk about him in the more recent <clears throat> they do, trilogy, but, they, but you, you don't, don't see You him. never see him. <laughs> I kind of love that. The closest you get is in Halloween 2, mm-hmm. when he is dressed as Michael Myers, coincidentally, and he gets hit by a car and he explodes into a ball of fire. <laughs> so, we'll cover that when we get to Halloween 2. Yes. Uh, you'll also find Electronic Realization by Dan Wyman. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is probably, just to jump to the music section, this is... When we were watching this the other night, I was thinking this might be like my second favorite John Carpenter score. Yeah. It's really good. It is really good. Um, And this is kind of when he gets into, he's getting into the, his more electronic phase. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not, I don't know what else Dan Wyman has done, but after this, Carpenter starts working a lot with Alan Howarth. Who, mm. he, they do the music for Halloween 2 and 3. Mm. Uh, I think he works on Prince of Darkness or one of those other ones. I don't know. But it's it's clear that John Carpenter is into synthesizers at this time, yes. but doesn't know how they work. Yes, so but is excited to yes, learn. He needs someone else yes. in there to do the electronic <laughs> stuff. Uh, and last but not least... 19th century ghosts with working knowledge of electrical infrastructure. Yes. Yeah. They really, uh, they knew to go all the way out to the uh, electrical transformer station. <laughs> yeah. And, and how to shut everything down. Yeah. Yes. I guess. Look, they've had a hundred years, years yeah. to study. So they, they did the homework. Well, all I'm saying is how come they didn't step in and like help? In the last hundred years. They seem to know how everything works. You'd think they would Why be Why would they want to help? I don't know. Just They want to kill everyone. No, they only want to kill six people. <laughs> not not speci- six specific okay, people. Okay, that's the big plan, though. You can't let everybody know you're there. You got to surprise them. You yeah. can't lose the element of surprise or everyone's going to move away from foggy areas. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, The Fog. Um, yes. Is this John Carpenter's coziest movie? Because I think I think that's the maybe thing. maybe that's why I I like I think that's it. This movie, as I get older, is that I'm slowing down and I just want to wear sweaters. Yeah, like this is the first. <laughs> like I I said to you, I was Adrian watching Adrian Barbeau, sexy milf. Like <laughs> that's the demographic. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm here for it. Yeah. That's, Who isn't? Right. She's gorgeous. Um, but I said to you as we were watching this, I was like, I think I want to live in this movie because it's yeah. except for the murderous ghosts. Yeah, and even very, then, if they've already killed six people, yeah, this seems to be fine. Then they're fine. Yeah. Uh, very pleasant, picturesque place to live. Yep. Uh, Everybody in the town seems to know each other, but no one seems to be an asshole. Yeah, nobody. There's no 
shitheads really right which is kind of surprising because i feel like in a lot of these um small town set horror movies there's always the one guy yeah you know and i mean guy in a generic non-gendered way it can right, be right, yeah. the super religious crazy lady or it can be the dude who wants to redevelop the whole town and tur- turn it into a resort right or just like, you know a jerk yeah exactly there's nobody's yeah. jerk yeah, yeah. No, no everybody just seems like fairly normal people who just want to live their lives and i think that might be part of what the appeal is mm-hmm. to this movie mm-hmm. because <clears throat> it starts off with the uh uh, uh john hausman <coughs> excuse me uh famous older actor friend of orson welles mm-hmm. <coughs> Jeez, excuse me uh tell literally just telling a ghost story about yeah. the ghosts who show up later in the movie yes and it just really sets this you know, cozy mm-hmm. campfire ghost story tone yeah. for the rest of the movie. And that that's really all the movie is for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I think I, I, as I was watching it last night, I was like, I like this, but I feel like there's something missing hmm. and which we can get into later. But, mm-hmm. but the, the thing that works is the general, vibe of the whole thing yeah is is just very uh cozy and like big sweater hot chocolate kind of horror movie (laughs) yeah and i you know did you ever have the experience of sort of sitting around a fire or sitting outside at night as a kid and and telling ghost stories was that ever like an actual thing that you uh, once or twice, but yeah. never, it wasn't a consistent thing. I made it a consistent thing. Yeah, I wish I had. But... <laughs> because I would go off and read, you know, like scary stories to tell in the dark or mm-hmm. whatever. And I would memorize some of those stories or urban legends or whatever and mash them all up. And I would sit outside as the sun went down with the kids in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I would tell scary stories. Yeah, And it, I think there's something about that experience and then the way this movie opens and sets you up to kind of get back into that mindset of your kid and this is you're watching this scary story right it's like that's how they're that's where that's the headspace this movie wants you to be in yeah the same headspace as um adrian barbo's son whose name i'm blanking on doesn't matter because character names don't matter to john carpenter so they shouldn't matter to us um but I love that opening. Like, mm. I, I love that it's that sort of, it starts with kind of the pocket watch. Yep. And then him setting the scene and, and the old old timey sea captain vibe of telling this story about a ghost ship. What's amazing is that was a reshoot. Oh, really? Yeah. There was, um, at the first cut of the movie, John Carpenter and the, and the studio executives realized that it, it wasn't working. Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it just wasn't scary enough and it just wasn't really coming together. And so mm-hmm. he went back and he did some reshoots and the reshoot scenes are the opening mm-hmm. fire, uh, campfire scene. Yeah. The scene in the morgue where the body oh, comes after yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. And the uh, Adrian Barbeau on top of the lighthouse at the end. Ah. Which is weird because if you take those first, the first one, the last one out, mm-hmm. the hell else happens in this movie? <laughs> Like those are two that that's opening scene mm-hmm. just 
really sets the mood so perfectly. Yeah. It's kind of hard to imagine the movie without it. And Yeah, because where do we start then? Does it start with Stevie? I think so. Yeah. I think it starts with her doing her radio show. Yeah. And then if you take out the scene of her on the roof of the lighthouse, mm-hmm. she just kind of disappears at the end of the movie because yeah. all there's all the action happening in the church. Right. And then she's just kind of stuck in the lighthouse not doing anything. Yeah, trying to kind of give them directions and then after that who knows yeah because yeah. she has that like she has there's a scene at the end where she, where it feels like she's it, it is going to be her last scene for the for the climax where yes. she into the microphone gives this like pretty pretty good speech about mm-hmm. like whatever the i forget what it is but yeah. um and that very much feels like a I'm stuck here. I can't do anything. Yes. Yeah. It's all up to you guys now kind of thing. And yep. then it switches over. So I I understand the idea, but I don't think it works. I think put having her in jeopardy as well, I think, yeah. just keeps things moving and, and makes it more exciting. Yeah, because I, I think one of the things that this movie tries to do, and, and I both like it, but I think it does it on imperfectly. Mm-hmm. Is to really keep it an ensemble movie. Yeah, like it tries really hard not to make any one character too much of the main character, but mm-hmm. I think Stevie Wayne sort of is, which makes the main it even character. weirder. Yeah, that she's not involved at all yeah. at the end of the movie. But I'm wondering if that's why that adding that scene yeah. of her in peril as well kind of serves that purpose of heightening things enough because she is sort of a focal point like a, a constant Definitely. throughout yeah. the film whereas a lot of the other characters dip in and out for long periods even when she's not on screen oftentimes we hear her voice yes so she becomes this sort of constant companion the same way a radio host that you listen to all the time would um so I think it's easy to to sort of transfer the the emotional attachment you want to have to a specific character yeah. onto her. Yeah. Cuz yeah, you've got her, she's the um the voice on the radio mm-hmm. and then you've got these other sort of vignettes that are going on with uh Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Atkins. She's mm-hmm. a hitchhiker and he picks her up and um then you've the whole sort of thing that kicks everything off is this is Hal Holbrook as yes, the priest. Father Malone. Who finds... Just to pray he's not in his cups. <laughs> who finds the uh, magic book. Ex- uh, yeah, Deus Ex Earthquake just like... That's right. Shakes yeah. a stone well, loose I think from the, the ghosts, church. The ghosts probably gave it a little nudge. But, <laughs> um, and it's the classic thing where mm. he discovers some secret about the town. Yes. This town's secret shame or whatever. Yep. Um, that his ancestor is directly involved in. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, then you've then you've got this other kind of plot line about they're celebrating the hundredth hundredth anniversary, mm-hmm, the founding, yep. which is uh, Janet Lee and Nancy Loomis. Yep. And it's all kind of going at the same time. And I think that I think that it's staggered pretty well. Yeah. I will say. Overall, I feel like this movie needed another draft of the script. Mm. And I don't mean that it's 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 weird, right? Because like mm. <clears throat> on the one hand, I think it works because it's more of like this impression 
of a campfire yeah. story. Yeah. But there's so many like little disparate elements of plot mm-hmm. that have been thrown in there kind of haphazardly mm-hmm. that it feels like they either need to strip that stuff out completely or spend a little more time with it. What Basically, sure. once it starts getting to like the lore and the mythology stuff, yeah. that's when it's like, all right, this is... Yeah, there's some some mildly contradictory stuff going on yeah and it, in, in, again in it's the, not a it's not a big deal like i'm yeah. not writing the movie off because you know for a magic xylophone reason or anything but <laughs> but it's like you've got this secret that the priest discovers mm-hmm. that is kind of its own thing until the end of the movie yeah and then when the ghosts start showing up they're like we need to kill six people right that not any specific six apparently just, just six. six and when you get to the end Hal Holbrook is telling this thing about how they uh the people of the town wrecked the ship on purpose is that what it is yes they lit a fire uh where there should have been a um where there should not have been yes so, so instead of a lighthouse light to keep them safe away from the rocks they lit a fire somewhere in that and then yeah. and then the ship crashed and they stole yes. the gold off the ship, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so that stuff is cool, but it at the end when Hal Holbrook is like, they're here to get me. My grandfather did this. It's yeah. like, no, they, they could have killed any six people. Right, unless, and that's kind of what they have been yeah, doing. The, uh, the, unless, I don't think Mrs. Kobritz. Well, I was just going to say, unless <laughs> they know something we don't, that True. all of the other five people they kill are directly connected to the people who did this 100 years ago but they never say that yeah and, so. I'm, and and i'm i'm glad they don't yeah because i think the sense that it could be anybody it works in this movie's favor like like because for instance stevie and her son are not from there they're right. from chicago right and so if it was definitely the descendants of the some of the original uh citizens of the town then she and, and, and her son would be totally in the clear. And and right. Jamie Lee Curtis would be totally in the clear. Yeah. Like they there would be no worries for those characters. Yeah. And I think it works better that it could like I, I kinda made a joke that like wouldn't this movie be great if the last if it ended because one guy had to make a late night snack run to the local bodega. Yeah. Like he's just like, Oh man, I really just want some Cheetos. Yeah. And he went to the store and was like, oh, shit, and then got killed at the end. If they killed that guy who worked at the the supermarket who took the yeah. drink oh. out of the orange juice and then oh. put it back. Oh, I wish I had remembered that because that, that would have gone in my things you'll find. Mm-hmm. What Amanda says is the most horrifying thing she's ever seen this week yes. is that man drinking the orange juice and then putting it back in the refrigerator case. Yeah, that's pretty gross. That You should go to a circle of hell for doing that. <laughs> it's one of the most awful things I think a human could do. But yeah, I, I think like if they had lost the six must die thing and just like, mm-hmm. no, they're coming back. They're coming specifically for the gold. They're yeah. coming for Malone, but they're going to kill whoever they want. Right. Like right. that, that, then or I think Or even they're it's... not really coming for Malone. They're just going to kill some yeah. people and get their gold back. Right. They yeah. were going to kill people until 1 a.m. Right. Because yeah. it was new, midnight until 1 a.m. Is, is when they're active or they're, they're, it's, it's written in the, in the book. It's like midnight to one is when the dead is for the dead or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, I yeah, I know. I agree with you that the the lore aspects of this are clearly 
fungible. Like <laughs> they they are they are adaptable for whatever the the script needs them to be in that moment to get to the the climax that it's clearly building to in the church. And you know, the thing is, though, like I, I think you could look at this as a negative. Mm-hmm. And I think most people judging the script of this movie on its merits might look at it as a negative. But the way that it plays out is kind of like someone telling the story. Yeah. Who's just like kind of remembering the details. Yeah, like sort of making it up as they go along maybe. Yeah. Or they forgot some parts so they're going to have to insert it in later. Which I'm sure. how many times, like I, I know I've done that telling even dumb anecdotes in my oh, life yeah. and then I realize I'm halfway through it and I've forgotten a very important piece of information. Yeah. So I throw it in after I've given you way too much like oh and also we were doing whatever and then it changed you're like oh that's why yeah i i have a tendency to um if i'm telling a story if i'm relaying something that is true Mm -hmm. and i don't have all the facts totally correct in my brain Mm -hmm. i will use my narrative brain to create the most interesting story i can (laughs) (laughs) just fill in the blanks yeah it feels more entertaining it's like it's like you know how movies say based on a true story? Yeah. That's how some of my stories end this up. This is going to make me not believe a word that comes no, out of your see, mouth. No, see cuz it's not so it's it's not like that. It's not a lie. It's just like sometimes characters sure, are combined. Sure, sure. Sometimes one conversation didn't happen in that place, it happened in this other place. Yeah, you're sometimes, just you're editing for for clarity yeah. and style. Sometimes yeah. I can't remember what got them to point A from to from from to point b from point a mm-hmm. and so i'll throw in a car chase or something <laughs> man that yeah there are a lot of car chases in your stories yeah surprising amount yeah. um but yeah it's it I, and i think if you said this to john carpenter he yeah. would probably tell you to go fuck yourself and yeah I, <laughs> not not like i I'm, i shouldn't say that more would, in like a you're overthinking yes it. he would yes. probably roll his eyes because yes. i know that he doesn't love this movie mm-hmm. um i think it's he's not totally happy with it sure and i think uh, if you were to s- tell him that reading, he mm-hmm. would probably roll his eyes and be like, "Come on, get, get yeah." It's it's just not that it's not you know it's you're way overthinking it, like yeah. you said. Yeah, but th- it is part of what makes it kind of charming. Yeah, and I think it's one of those movies where when you're watching it, that stuff doesn't feel like it matters as much. Yes, that's that's something I'm starting to key into a bit more. Um. Like I, I recently saw Vertigo, mm, um, for yeah. the first time in a very long. I've I've I only seen it once. That. Well, you can borrow it if you want. Oh, I, thank I bought you. It. Thank you. Um, I, I I went to see it at the uh, Somerville Theater. Mm-hmm. They had a great. It was a thirty-five millimeter print of it, which apparently nice. is very rare. Huh. Um, for. <laughs> Reasons I could go into, like the guy who did before the movie, but I won't because his speech was like 40 minutes long. Oh, boy. But um, I had only seen it once, and I didn't really remember much about it. And so I'm and I'm watching this. I can't tell you the last time I was so engaged with a movie mm. because I had no idea where the movie was going. I'm really surprised because I feel like we not that long ago had a conversation where we talked about how you don't really like Hitchcock. I think when we did The Birds. Yeah. I I think I this is a case where mm. I think I might be viewing his movie might have been viewing his movies wrong mm-hmm. because one of these days I'm going to make you watch Rebecca. I no I I have it I I want to watch it I just haven't gotten around to it. it. Might be 
Does that count as a horror movie? I don't think it does. But the, I started to... I'm, I'm looking at Vertigo, I'm looking at The Birds, and I'm looking at Psycho, which are the three that mm-hmm. I... I know Psycho very well, and the other two we'd seen, I'd seen recently. Yeah. And I start piecing these together in my brain going like, oh, I kind of get it now. Yeah. He has a tendency to really kind of throw you a curveball mm-hmm. and it ends up not being the movie you think you're watching. Yeah. And Vertigo is a really good example of that because I don't know what the fuck is going on in this movie. <laughs> Have you seen Vertigo? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's been a while, but yeah. Yes. When like I'm watching this and I'm like, what is happening? What is happening? I'm I'm watching Jimmy Stewart get further and further mm-hmm. into this obsession. Mm-hmm. And then like they hit you with the big turn. Yep. About midway through. And I yep. go, I don't know where this is going now. <laughs> and then it just gets weirder and weirder. And such a weird movie. I love it. I'm watching uh I was wa- I, I I bought it on, on on Blu-ray and I was listening to the commentary by uh the late Billy Friedkin. I don't know why he's doing the commentary, but I'd listen, <laughs> why not? I'd, I'd listen to that guy yeah. read the phone book. <laughs> and he's talking about how in that movie, um the logic of the story mm-hmm. is completely unimportant. Yeah. And it's the kind of movie where you don't think of, like, it, it, it seems like the type of movie where logic is important, mm-hmm. but it's really not. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think, the I think story logic is not as important as a lot of people think it is. Yeah. Because we were watching uh, Joe Bob's uh, Halloween special where they were talking about Halloween. Yes. The other night. And as I was watching it, I'm going like, man. Some this stuff just doesn't logically make any sense. Like how people move so fast. I think I think Joe Bob even talks about that. Like they're only finding the car now. Yeah. How are they only finding the car now? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and there's the thing where like they go to the uh the the hardware store that's been oh, broken and her into. Dad, yeah, and her, yeah, her sheriff, sheriff Brackett is yep. like, Yeah, somebody broke in and stole a knife and a rope and a Halloween mask. It's yeah, like, so oh, okay. obviously it's kids. That's where Michael stole his mask from, right? Uh-huh. But he's had the mask for like four scenes before that. Yep. So has that alarm just been going off for like two hours? Who knows? <laughs> but so it doesn't matter though. Right. It's just it's all about the feeling and it's yes. all about emotionally dragging you through the story yeah and it's giving you the breadcrumbs you need to sort of build that atmosphere yeah yeah and that's not to say that logic isn't important because it is when no. you want it to be sure it's not always important um i think st- i think story structure and story logic are two very different things yeah and uh this is a movie where i think it's if you try to break it down logically scene by scene you're really missing the point of it. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And I think that's maybe why I didn't like it as much yeah. the first time I saw it, is that it felt thin to me in places and I didn't really understand, like, well, wait, why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. And why why does Stevie sort of latch onto the fog as the problem? Right. And then like, why is he going out to try and get the boat? And like, if I didn't have super clear answers for everything, I just kind of was like, well, then that doesn't make sense. Right. But in a lot of cases, it, it kind of, it can make sense if you allow it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, obviously Nick works on that boat too. Right. Because he even says when when they... So he decides he needs to go out and find the boat that's gone missing overnight. That we know 
the ghosts have attacked Mm -hmm. and killed the three men on board. But the town doesn't know that. And he goes out and he brings Jamie Lee Curtis with him and, and a couple other guys. And they search the boat. And as they're, when, when he goes to the docks to go out, he says, Al was supposed to meet me here Mm. at this time. And he's not here. The boat's not here. What the hell's going on? So it's obvious he's involved working with these guys. And then he and Jamie Lee Curtis talk and she's like, well, what is it like fishing? So he's a fisherman too. Right. He's part, he's, he's part of the crew of this boat. He talks about how he's cleaned it, but like, we don't need the whole, well, you know, my father worked on this boat and, uh, and you Nick, I haven't seen you down here at the dock since the last time you shipped out. Right. So I, I think what I'm trying very and getting at very poorly is that there's a line. Like if, if you try too hard to make everything ironclad Mm -hmm. in all of this logic and have everything be really explicit, you run the risk of dipping into that mode yeah. of like, well, you know, Stevie had a really hard time when her husband was hit by that bus. And that's why she had to leave Chicago and move here. She, Stevie, has one scene with her son in this movie. Yeah. They are not together for the entire run of this movie except yep. for one scene. Yep. But you know she loves him. <clears throat> right. She does a, you know. Because she works a horrible schedule all for him. Yes. <laughs> But but do you know what I'm saying? Like 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 I would rather a movie err on the side of withholding a little too much and maybe accidentally introducing some some inconsistencies mm-hmm. rather than trying to over-explain every element. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think there's uh um <clears throat> not to get on my old man's soapbox here. Oh but... God! Here he goes. He's stepping up. <laughs> I think generally. Uh, kids these days no just people in general <laughs> i feel like media literacy is at an all-time low personally <laughs> probably um where i see so many people talk about movies or comics or s- just stories in general mm-hmm. where if things aren't laid out incredibly clear for them it, yeah. it quote unquote doesn't make sense and is quote unquote bad yeah and yeah I, there's a lot of uh litigating on the internet about Stupid shit. Yeah. And the these things like the Cinema Sins uh, YouTube mm, videos. Mm-hmm. I I know people really like pitch meeting, but I don't really care for pitch meeting for the same reason. And my husband is turning off this I'm episode sorry. now. I'm sorry. But it's like every one of those things is the same. Like the delivery is the same and the jokes are one of them goes, wait, what? And then <laughs> and then after that, somebody goes, why? And he goes, because the plot. And it's mm. like, I fucking hate that stuff. <laughs> And it's like, it's a, it's this level of, it's this way of looking at stuff that just, I don't know why people enjoy it, because mm. it just seems miserable. I was just thinking the same thing. It does tend to suck the joy out of stuff. Yeah. Like, like if you're not willing to sort of allow yourself to get drawn into a story, yeah. then kind of why are you watching it and i've and i've been that person you know when i was i, I sure. feel like i feel like it's the kind of thing that once you start getting into this stuff mm-hmm. then you think you're the smartest person in the world and that's when you start doing this yeah. stuff i remember being the first time i watched halloween mm-hmm. being like i don't know man he drives a fuck how does he know how to drive a car <laughs> 
That's pretty stupid. Yeah. And now I'm like, who cares if he knows how to drive a car? <laughs> I do think, it, yeah. I will say that is a point in the movie that I think We'll even, get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it when we do the movie. Even the people who made that movie think it's very silly he knows how to drive a car because they talk about it in the movie. Okay, Clay. Okay. <clears throat> Simmer down. Anyway, but it's that kind of thing, you know, where it's Step like- Step off the soapbox, please. Ah, so far down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think there's a certain, not to sound like Nicole Kidman here, but- uh, Movies are <laughs> wow, where how heartache feels good. Silvery you know? suit on so fast. Yes, uh, heartache feels good in a place like this. <laughs> but it, they're they're just it's all magic, right? It's an illusion, right, right. and and they are very dreamlike in general. Yes, and so I think I think the that mood is, is more important. Yes, I think that is a, yeah. a a plus, not a minus. Yeah, and so as long as you can operate in that space. Um, honestly, and not yeah. doing it for the sake of the fact that you know your movie doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think I stuff like this doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Yeah, yeah, I I, I absolutely agree, and I think it's it's easy to slip act. It's easy to slip into that sort of overly critical mode on things, and I definitely still do it to this day. Mm-hmm. So. No judgment from here. Yeah, I, I know. I like to say that I don't, but I do. Everybody does. Everybody does. But what, one of the things I really like about this movie, because you were, you were saying like operating in this mode in kind of an honest way, mm-hmm. I feel like all the characters are kind of honest. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they they feel like real people. Mm-hmm. They They don't feel like caricatures. They don't feel like symbols. You know, a lot of these movies, it can be really easy to start trying to pin a, sort of like a moral meaning beneath different characters and their behaviors. These people just feel like humans, yeah. which I think is part of this movie's charm, is that you you kind of know them in mm. a way, even if you don't. <laughs> like I've never, right. I've never met a beautiful radio host. I've never met uh, a radio host me. at all. We're not on the radio. Uh, it's basically internet radio. It's different. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to dash your hopes and dreams. You can take off the Adrian Barbeau wig. <laughs> I'm not wearing a wig. <laughs> this is all natural, baby. Um, but I should you- say it's not the hair that's fake. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, like, like. I think because these people feel so normal. Yeah. It makes the the bizarreness and the the spookiness of the ghosts feel more remarkable. I think the only character, the only recurring character that is a little over the top is Father uh, Father Malone. Yeah, he, he he especially at the end, he leans a little <clears throat> too much into the mania. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I was going to ask you is, you know, I uh, <laughs> anytime this movie comes up, most of the time, anyway. Mm-hmm. at least my experience in conversation mm-hmm. talking about this movie is I'll say, you know, the fog and they'll go, Oh yeah, I love that movie. That's the one where they're all in the supermarket, right? Yes. Like, no, <laughs> yes. That's the mist. That is the mist. Now what the mist does uh-huh. that this movie doesn't do mm-hmm. is it traps everybody in the supermarket Yep. and then it becomes about how those characters interact with each other. Yes. Yada, yada, yada. And people do in that movie kind of very, I, I shouldn't say kind of, they very much on purpose sort of become symbolic. Right. Of bigger modes of thinking and bigger bigger ways of relating to other humans and operating in the world. Yeah. And they, that's, uh, um, they, 
they very specifically don't do that in this movie where right. everybody gets to the church eventually uh-huh but it's for like 10 minutes it's not and and by everybody we just mean the main characters yeah, the, 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 the eight people they could pay to be in the movie yes. but it's uh, do you feel like it is missing something by not going the other way do you think going that other way would be too obvious because yeah. I, I guess I guess what I'm kind of dancing around is when I was mm. saying before that um, uh, um, structure is more important than logic. Yeah. Right. I think for me the problem with this movie is when I get to the end, I feel like what whatever this was driving towards is not mm. wholly satisfying mm. because. They do, uh, you know, the ghosts show up and then they start killing people and then everybody goes to the church. Yeah. And then very quickly it's like, here's your gold cross back and then they're just gone. And it, I don't, I don't really know, I, I'm not really finding like a narrative, um, a real, a real payoff in there yeah. for me. And I don't know if that's because the uh, stuff about the... Um, the town screwing these guys over isn't really gotten into or if yeah. it's because you don't get enough time with these characters. I don't know what it is, but it feels like it's like it gets to this point and then it's just kind of over. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I think part of it might be because the thing that the ghosts seem to want that seems to do the trick is the giant gold cross. Right. Which is just, I mean, it looks like it's just been sitting in this church. Yeah, just hanging out. Just hanging like a solid gold cross that's huge, yeah. by the way. I will say, I do think, um, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, please. Uh, I forgot that it's in the, it's like hidden in the wall. Mm-hmm. I think it would be much better if that was just out in front of the church, like in the, in the, uh, yeah, it was just part, part of the sanctuary. Yeah. 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 yeah probably. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Right. Because it feels weird okay. that, what the town ultimately has to give up in order to be absolved is something the town didn't even know it had and was not benefiting from. Right. Like, I I almost feel like it would have been... I think maybe part of what it's missing is that the town needs to give up something it's not willing to. Sure, yeah. And there's a push and a pull between, but it's just money versus human lives or we need that money for the town to survive yeah you never get the sense that this money somehow is the thing that saved the town right you know it's or or at this point in time like we were saying the cross is hidden yeah it's not you know it's not all the 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 sack of gold that every now and again they they pull out a couple doubloons right to go cash in at the the right. gold ex- the cash for gold exchange yeah. so that they can keep the lights on like uh, you could probably get into a weird like holocaust metaphor as far as I think you absolutely could yeah. that actually that that occurred to me because I've been I don't know I'm I'm a messed up person who was revisiting some of the stuff i read for my uh thesis which was about the holocaust that stuff anyway. that you that you when it was over you're like i can't wait to never read about that stuff ever look again. <laughs> look like i said i am a masochist mm-hmm. um no I, th- I think you could you could absolutely draw a lot of parallels to that of of killing a quote-unquote undesirable population mm. for the benefit of the quote-unquote regular people right um, I do want to pivot a little bit because I, I, I find it really funny 
all of the echoes of the birds. Well, in this movie, um, I was going to mention. Speaking of Hitchcock, the uh, when Nick goes down to the to the dock, mm-hmm. it's in Bodega Bay, yes, which is where the birds takes place. Yes, you and know. you also have a plot of a. Uh, a, a young a young woman coming to town and everything starts to go to hell. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis shows up on the side of a road one night, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden windows are getting shattered and car horns are going off and ghosts are coming to kill people. Which just goes to show you, women should never change towns. <laughs> one town, whole life. Janet Lee's the- family line. Yes. Are harbingers of the end times. Yes. Yes. Um. <clears throat> But yeah, I, I, I think there's just something oddly unsatisfying about because even mm. at the end, it feels like when when uh, the ghost shows up again to the last moment where they yeah. kill Malone, yeah, that feels pretty tacked on. It does. You know? It does. That's actually not my favorite part of yeah. the movie, and I don't really. I kind of wish they'd either done it when he was like, "Take me, I'm the one you want," and just were like, "Sure, if you're yeah. offering." Or they left him alive mm-hmm. to just kind of deal. Because I, I almost think it's a cop-out for Malone. Like, yeah. I think he feels guilty. It's his ancestors that did this. It's it's He's literally been living in the house that this gold built. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kind of just letting him die in penance is maybe a little too clean and, and, and not, you know, it's a little too straightforward for me yeah. in, in a way. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, there are a lot of creepy moments in this movie that really work for me. I, I think everything... I want to talk about the spooky stuff. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> definitely do that. I, I want to say that everything they do in this movie mm-hmm. is worth it mm-hmm. for that one shot of the, the ghost pirates in the church. Yeah. Where they just do that hard cut to them just all standing there with the fog at their feet. Yeah. Awesome. Worth the whole price of admission. I mean, I even love the much earlier scene where they get on the seagrass, where they get on the boat. Mm-hmm. We see the ghosts for the first time. Yeah. That whole sequence where, the, the, you know, it's the three guys out at night. They're kind of just drinking beers and hanging out. Um, and then the, the ship comes right up to them and they see this huge old galleon kind of drift by and then disappear they yeah. hear a splash and then the next thing that one of them turns and there's like three figures mm-hmm. in the in the fog on the boat and you never see them clearly and then they slaughter the crew and it's yeah. really it's not gory but i think it's still really well done and when they kill that last guy with like the ice pick kind oh, of thing yeah. to the face. The two, the double tap oh, is yeah. the thing that gets me on that yeah. one. Because usually it's like, all right, one stab in the face, sure. Right. But it's the even if he'd go, gone like crazy and yeah. just kept going, you'd be like, all right. Yeah. It's just that it's like, down. pop, pop. Yeah. Ugh. Two quick and efficient jabs and it's one for each eyeball. Yeah. Um, uh, that works. I think that works really well. Yeah. I guess um, Carpenter specifically didn't want it bloody because he was actually trying to go for a PG rating. Huh? And uh, <laughs> it did not work. So Yeah, it fell a little well, short Well, I should that. say, it's not that it didn't work. It's just that the movie <clears throat> didn't work as it yeah. was. So they had to beef it up a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that stuff, I think one of my favorite bits is um, when Charles Cipher gets killed and you mm. they, they kind of just, they have the camera further back into the room uh-huh. and you just see him get pulled into the fog 
Yeah. You know, and you yep. don't actually, I think that oh, maybe you do get them, see him get stabbed in the neck I or something. I don't think but, you, right. Oh, maybe, maybe he gets one quick one and then he's pulled back. Yeah. But he's still screaming. Yeah. It's, it's when he's just, pulled back into the fog. It's not, there's not a lot of blood in this movie, no. if any at all. And it's, it's pretty effective. You know, he, yeah. he knows how to. He knows how to do this stuff, obviously. Yeah. And the DP on this, again, like on Halloween, is uh, mm-hmm. Dean Cundy, mm-hmm. who is fantastic and yeah. went on to do Back to the Future mm-hmm. and Jurassic Park. And he, he was a pretty big name through most of the 80s. Yeah. And, he, and the, the Carpenter look is the Dean Cundy look. Yeah. You know, he did uh, Halloween, this, the thing... I think he did Escape from New York. Mm. Could be wrong. Uh, I think after the thing, they, they, I think he got a little, he, he, he might have priced out of John Carpenter yeah. movies. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it looks amazing. The whole, the whole movie. It really. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also love the bit where, um, is Andy, is the son Andy? I don't know. Sure. <sighs> I know it doesn't matter, but it's bothering me because she yells his name on the radio like 7,000 times. Yes. Um, but he finds the piece of wood from the Elizabeth yep. Dane That's pretty and cool. she has it in, in the studio with her and it starts dripping water into mm-hmm. the promo tape. And then that creepy ass voice comes over the tape and yeah. starts saying it's like an albatross around your neck. It's a millstone and all this like, I, I, I love that shit. Like, yeah. I live for that shit. I think it's great. That voice, I believe, is Tommy Lee Wallace. Oh, really? Who is, he does he does the voice of the commercials in Halloween. <laughs> I believe he does <laughs> the voice of the commercials in this. Mm-hmm. He also does the uh, Silver Shamrock voiceover in oh, Halloween yeah, 3. Oh, yeah, where it's like little kids yes, get your masks Which on. he also directed that. So, oh, right. I always forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that stuff yeah. is that stuff is really fun, and the the uh, the sp- the special effect of the wood starting to like bleed yeah, seawater yeah, is yeah. really cool. I I think that's really well done. I'm I'm sure there's an easy explanation for how they do it, yeah. but it looks so good. Like it just just kind of starts to well up in that way where it fills the letters, the carved letters first, and yeah. then spills over. It's again old man soapbox here, but. <sighs> gotta take that thing away from you it's just like stuff like that is stuff they'd all do in cgi now and Mm. it's just it's not as satisfying yeah you know and it feels like mildly unnecessary yeah just like how hard is it to they had like rig up this five million dollars to make this movie (laughs) (laughs) just Um. take out half the lights you're using (laughs) and put the lighting budget towards the special effects (laughs) um but yeah trying to think if there's anything else i wanted to touch on with this one the mm. one fun bit is um the head pirate uh captain blake is yes. rob botin the special effects artist oh because uh he is apparently six foot five and holy so, shit yeah carpenter was like great you're in the movie um the, the this is an interesting time for for john carpenter because mm-hmm. this is after halloween he did both he and Jamie Lee Curtis after Halloween mm. kind of dip. Um, mm. <clears throat> Carpenter does and not in the like colloquial way of like they left the room. No, and not like in like the, like a dance way. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're just having a nice dance. And then, yeah, whoop, and a dip and whoop. Um, 
<clears throat> where after Halloween, Carpenter does two TV movies. Uh, mm. One of them is called... Yeah, please tell me what that's Someone's called. Watching Me. <laughs> and the other, much more important, is called Elvis. Ah. And is the Elvis Presley story, which is where John Carpenter and Kurt Russell work together for the first time. So... So how many times have you watched that? I've actually never seen it. What? I know. I, I very much would like to watch Play. it, but I have not seen it. What? What? I, I'm sorry. I only get so much time in the day. Uh, you need to make time for that is too on brand for you. Do you, you know me. how many Italian movies there are? I have to get through those but first. But there's only one John Carpenter's Elvis with <laughs> like, see what's funny about that though to watch i know it. i do what's funny about that is you say that and it sounds like something that's a joke now yes like a fake trailer yes, for john, john carpenter's, carpenter's elvis, elvis starring elvis. kurt russell yes. very different than the movie they actually made yeah. i have heard that kurt russell is very good in it though but i do want i'm watch sure it. he is but um he does two tv movies mm-hmm. and then he gets a two-picture deal with avco embassy mm-hmm. for this and Escape from New York are the two mm. movies. I'm, I've been trying to look this up because I know there was something going on here, but I can't find exactly what it was. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure one of the conditions for getting the money to do this movie mm-hmm. was that he had to do Halloween 2. I feel like I've heard this same anecdote. Yeah. I I don't remember This is exactly one of those stories where. that are based on a true story. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then the car chase happened. Yes. Um, no, but I, I, I believe it. I feel like I've heard this same this same story. Yeah. Um, which but I is don't remember the details. Which is why he never wanted to do Halloween two, and yeah. famously he didn't direct it. Obviously, and um, <laughs> he didn't know how to do it, and so mm-hmm. and so he uh, got a six pack of beer. Got got wasted and then just wrote Halloween too. That's how you do it. Yeah. That's how you create a franchise, I guess. <laughs> but also for Jamie Lee Curtis after Halloween, uh, she was kind of her, expecting her career to take off. Yeah. But she also the only thing she did between Halloween and this are two episodes of TV. She was yeah. on um, an episode of Buck Rogers, and she was on an episode of The Love Boat with her mother. Mm-hmm. And so. They're both kind of in this weird, after they have this big success with Halloween. They've hit such a high, and yeah. then they're, they've dipped into such a low. Yeah. Yeah. But after this, hmm. they both kind of launch into their renaissance. Yeah. Because after the fog is when you get, it, it's basically the John Carpenter era. Yeah. Where you get- Because um, all of his subsequent movies kind of come quick. Yeah. And you've got- after the fog, you've got Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, They Live, mm-hmm. all in a row. And Jesus. then he does Memoirs of an Invisible Man and everything goes to hell. <laughs> but for most of the 80s, he's yeah. just you know hitting dingers. So I think that's going to do it for The Fog. I've hit the randomizer button. Mm. Beep, boop, 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 boop. We've landed on number 11, mm. which is Bride of Frankenstein. Ooh. So I'm excited to be going back to the universal monsters once again um yes yeah bride of frankenstein that's <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm really looking did forward have, did you just have a moment did your brain skip yeah yeah i'm just yeah. you know just thinking about her yeah 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 hearts in your eyes yeah <laughs> the one that got away that <laughs> the bride of 
I'm I'm really uh, that Marge for- Simpson hairdo. <laughs> Uh, looking forward to talking about that one because talk about a movie that's got some weird shit in it that most people. I don't think fr- I've ever seen it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm very excited. If you have not seen Brown, I feel like I've just seen like clips of it yeah. or bits and pieces here and there, but I don't think I've ever like sat down and watched this movie. Excellent. That's great to hear. Good. Perfect. <laughs> um, if you'd like to support the show, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/ThePensky File, uh, where Amanda and I are covering video nasties this year yes we have done nine october we are doing last house on the left which is uh you know a doozy <sighs> which amanda's very excited about yeah and no. uh our last two after that are um please tell me they're less uh, oh yeah no, we've got lucha fulci zombie oh yeah and evil speak which is Ooh, okay do, do you know evil speak i know of it yeah. but i have not seen it's that. Uh, clint howard at military school <laughs> who uh contacts the devil through a computer i so. cannot wait i've actually really wanted to see that for a while it's that was, really fun that was in my um that they, they there's a whole uh essay on that in my satanic panic oh book. is there really yes there oh, is. oh interesting yeah. yeah i had never heard of it until they did it on the last drive-in <sighs> You know, I saw a lot of people criticizing the last season of The Last Drive-In for various Porque. reasons. A lot of people don't seem to like Darcy for some reason. What? Yeah, I don't know. But they I don't saw, have eyes or brains or hearts. Yeah. I saw a few people being like, these movies are... Why are you just showing movies that nobody wants to see? And I'm like, I have found so many interesting movies through this show. Movies that I never would have looked up or been aware of in a thousand years yeah and also the whole point of it is sort of that you're you're getting the the commentary like like even if the movie itself even if you're watching like grizzly Mm. which is not a great movie it is fun right like it's enjoyable there's it has its moments and like how many times how many times do you really want to hear somebody talk about the movie you've watched a billion times apparently a billion and one yeah i guess I say that as someone who just watched Joe Bob talk about Halloween again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. what do I know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clyde. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.